very good. Good morning, church. How are you? It's a good day to be a follower of Jesus, huh? I just want to take a moment and just pray that God would just speak into our hearts um, about what He's called us to. We just sang about how He chose us, cho- He were chosen, um, but we're also called as well. And so I just want to pray that God would just speak into our heart this morning. If you would join me in prayer. Dear Father, Lord, thank you that you chose us out of the darkness. When we didn't deserve it, your mercy and your grace and your love. Lord, we don't, we don't deserve to be here in front of you, standing here as, as children, as, as chosen, as loved, as adopted. But Lord, you did it because you love us. I pray, Lord, that you would help us open our eyes to your word and your truth. Not the truth of man, not what we think, but your truth and your word this morning about who we are and what we're called to do. And we ask this in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Well, I'm excited about um, the season that I really feel that God is doing here at True Life Community Church. Uh, We're starting this series in August to work through Matthew chapter 9 and Matthew chapter 10. As I was reading through Matthew, it just really, those two chapters just really stuck out to me. Uh, as the path and the, and, the, and the scriptures that we're going to look at through the month of August. Um, there's been a lot of distractions at True Life Community Church that you're probably not aware of, but Amanda and I feel like those distractions are gone. Uh, we feel like uh, God continues to truly call us here to love you, to love this community, to love the church. And I'm excited about the challenge that I'm going to present to each and every one of you uh, in August that's coming up this fall. And it's really to just equip you as Christians, as followers of Christ. That's really my job, right, is to to equip you and encourage you as Christians, as followers of Christ. I remember back in the day when I started corporate, my boss, he um, he used to be a West Point uh, instructor, so he's training leaders of leaders. He was an operations research analyst, very smart guy. And I would go into his office, I'd be like, I think I want to do this or try this. And he would say, okay, go do it. And I just look at him, and he's like, what, what are you still doing in my office? Like, get out of here. Like, go. Like, go do it. Like, well, you don't need anything else for me. Just do it. And so that's my prayer for you through the month of August that I help you to see God's Word shows you in Matthew chapter 9 and chapter 10 what Christ is calling us to do, how He calls us, and what He calls us to do, and what that looks like. The first part of that is we're going to look through that, and what I want you to do, and I, I challenge you, you have this pamphlet. We're going to go over this in a minute. We put a lot of work into this. Um, if you're new here today, this is, like, this is like a family discussion. We'll get into the sermon in a minute. Um, but don't pull this out yet. Don't look at it. But this is the challenge to the church for the month of August. We're going to look through this, but it's going to challenge you to work through these two chapters in Matthew and to, to pray through those uh, as, as a church. And we're going to continue in those chapters throughout, uh, throughout the rest of the time. But I really feel like this is an exciting time in the life of True Life Community Church. And not only does this church need you, but, but Christ, He calls us. He, he, he allows us to be part of His mission on earth. And that's really exciting things to do. 
But a lot of times we get it wrong about what that looks like and specifically what we're, what we're called to do. Men and I were watching uh, the documentary on Johnny Cash. Any Johnny Cash fans out here? We got some Johnny Cash fans. All right, all right, some younger people. Yeah, all right, back in the back. It's really interesting. You could go on Amazon Prime. You can rent it for like five bucks. It's worth the five dollars to watch it. And it talks about his Christian walk specifically. So he got into this really dark time. Uh, He went into a cave to die. And there God revealed himself to him and he came out and he rededicated his life to Christ. His life changed. Like he almost went into bankruptcy when he decided to start declaring Christ. But he said this, and I wrote it down. I wanted to share it with you. He said, if you are a Christian, you have to be willing to give up the world. And he almost did because of his faith. So that's my challenge for you for today. As I've been reading through Jesus' teachings and it's been read. Uh, energizing me about, a, about who I am and what I'm called to be as a Christian. Um, I was looking, looking at things like Jesus is saying, hey, if you put your hand to the plow and you look back, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. This is Jesus. Like, these are some radical things that, that, that our God is, is telling and teaching, teaching us. He says to lay up your treasures in heaven where thieves and moths and rust can't get to it. These are the things that our Jesus is, is telling us. In Matthew 7, 21 through 23, he'll say, he said, Some people will come to me and they will say, Lord, Lord. And he'll say to some of them, depart from me. I never knew you. I never knew you. The ones that I know are the ones who do the will of my Father. In John chapter 6, verse 28, Jesus answered this. He said, the will or the work, he says, the ones that that do the will of my Father. So he says that the work of God is this, to believe in the one that he has sent, to believe in Jesus. In John chapter 6, verse 40, he says, the will of God to do, the will of God is for everyone who looks on the Son of God and believes in him shall have eternal life. That is the will, the work of God, is that everyone would look upon Jesus and to be saved. As I was writing those words, I just had that song, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. It just kept coming to me. I mean, here True Life Community Church and the Bible, I mean, that's what it's all about. It's about our risen Savior, Jesus. Like, that's what it's about. It's all about that relationship with Christ. And, And I pray as we read through this that you see it as that and not as a religion of these things that we have to do. Even though we're challenging you to do things, it's not about that. It all starts with a relationship. To look upon, as the Bible says, to look upon Jesus. So as we begin um, Matthew chapter 9 and 10, 
And we're going to bounce around through three principles throughout the rest of the month. The first one is Jesus' authority. We see Jesus healing people, raising people from the dead, and the Bible is showing us Jesus' authority. Then we're going to look at our calling as Jesus calls us, what that specifically looks like. And then we're going to look at what does following Jesus really look like in the Bible. So let's start. Matthew chapter 9, verse 1 through 8. And this is the word of the Lord. And getting into a boat, he, Jesus, crossed over and came to his own city. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. But Jesus knew their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven, or to say rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has, here it is, I underlined it in my Bible, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And he said to the paralytic, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and went home. When the crowd saw it, they were afraid, and they glorified God who had given such authority to men. There that word is, that Jesus forgave sin, and he healed this individual because to show his authority. Christ has the authority to forgive sins. And you may say, this guy, they carried him up, Jesus looked at him, and the first thing that he says is, I'm going to forgive you of your sins. Like, what? what? Like, this guy is a paralytic. He's paralyzed. He can't walk. Like, why would that be the first thing that Jesus would do? Jesus knows what our biggest problem is. And it wasn't this guy's being crippled. It was his sin. It was his sin. It was his biggest problem. Jesus has authority over sin. He has authority over disease. He has authority over paralysis. He has authority over you. As If you're his disciple and you're following him, God of the universe, he has authority over you, right? We could all probably agree with that. He has authority over death. Like you keep reading, he raised a little girl from the dead. He has authority over all of these things. When Jesus speaks, everything obeys. And you say, well, why does that matter? If he does not have authority over death or any of these things, he can't save us. He, can't, he, can't ri- he couldn't have risen from the dead. If he didn't rise from the dead, we can't rise from the dead. If he doesn't have authority over sin, our sins aren't forgiven. So it's important to understand that Jesus has authority over all of these things. And that he uses you and me to get the gospel to others so that they know that the will of our Father is for everyone to look upon 
Jesus. Our verse at True Life Community Church, John 14, 6. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. The true life, we call it here. That Jesus is the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me, is what he says. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. Jesus also says, hey, come and follow me. We're going to see that in Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. It says, and Jesus passed up from there. He saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, what did he say? Follow me. And what did he do? He rose up and he followed him. He didn't say, hold on, hold up, wait a minute, I got like a thousand questions. He just got up. He just gave up everything that he had. If you watch the Chosen series, Matthew, tax collector, had a lot of money. You get a sense of what Jesus was calling him away from and calling him, calling him to. The interesting thing is that Jesus calls us at our lowest when we need him the most. Matthew was ridiculed. He was an outsider because he was a tax collector. All his family, his friends, everyone that he knew in the Jewish culture hated him. He was at the end of himself. He was looking for a savior. We are so close to eternity. I mean, eternity is like knocking on our doorstep. Like this, the Bible says that this world is like a vapor. Our life is like a vapor. It's here one second and it's gone the next. Time is not on our side. Jesus is calling us to follow him. And when I baptize someone, I always say, are, are you ready to follow Jesus no matter the cost? I always say that. And probably people don't probably pick up on that. And I say that because there is a cost. There is a worldly cost to following Jesus. And, and I hope that we all understand that. And we're going to look at that section and those sections about what it looks like to follow Jesus. Because there's a lot of misconceptions about what that means. But as we, this news, this gospel that we have, as we share it with others, things are not going to be easy. We are, we are like Christ. We, we have Christ within us. We are his disciples, his followers. So it's kind of odd to think that we wouldn't experience some of the same things that Jesus experienced. But I want to go back to what I said earlier. If you continue in that chapter 9, after verse 9, there are some religious people that are mocking Jesus because he hangs out with sinners. Because they're righteous, look at me, I do everything, here comes this guy who claims to be the Messiah, and he's hanging out with sinners. They would never hang out, religious people would never hang out with sinners. And he rebuked them, he says, well, somebody that's sick, sick needs a physician. So he's basically saying that I'm a physician. And then he says something a little bit different. And I want to pick up on that. 
In verse 12, he said, but then he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. He's basically saying, like, why would I not be with the sinners? Verse 13, he said, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. That comes from Hosea 6.6. And I got the CSB version here because I like that a little bit more. It says, Jesus was pointing back to that and said, go look at that. Go look at that time and look at what my father, look at what we were teaching the people. He says, for I desire faithful love, not sacrifice. So he's saying, you feel like you're righteous and you're doing all these things. I don't desire that. I don't desire burnt offerings. I don't desire for you to do all these things for me without a relationship for me. What I desire for you is to have a sacrificial love for me, a faithful love for me, and I want you to pursue and have knowledge of me. Like, love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. You can summarize all the commandments of that. Like, love me faithfully and get to know me. Like, that's a gazillion times more important than you doing something for me. Just with no relationship with me. And here he is calling out the religious people to say, hey, go study that. Go study that. And learn You do all this stuff, but you don't even love me. God wants you to love him, to know him, and to serve him out of love. I pray that God grips your heart as you read through this month, Matthew 9 and 10, and as you pray and as you meditate on it. I pray that God grips our hearts And what I want to do is challenge you when you read this. And this was like, this was really opened my mind a lot. I remember specifically asking one of our pastors early on when we were going to church, specifically about Matthew 28. Go, therefore, make disciples. Jesus is calling his disciples. I'm thinking like, he's talking to those 12 dudes back then, that's what that was written for. That's not written to me. Like they had special powers. They had special purpose. They're with Jesus. Like, okay, I just skimmed through that. Wonderful for them. But when I realized disciple is a follower of Jesus, it wasn't written to me, but it was written for me that I'm a disciple Man, I couldn't go back. I kind of wanted to go back. I didn't want to know that that was for me. And I'm the same. Part of me wrestled with that for a long time. But I want to encourage you. This is written for you. You can put your name there as Christ's disciple. So Ben and I had uh, corporate careers and had everything that we wanted. God had given us literally anything I'd ever dreamed about growing up. God had given it to us. But I didn't find the joy that I thought that I would. 
the only joy, lasting joy that I could find was following Jesus. That's it. I saw like a meme this morning. He said, you want to be happy for a few moments, eat a steak, right? You want to do this for a couple days, you know, go on a cruise, you'll be happy. You want to have joy for every day for the rest of your life, like follow Jesus. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be joyful. I can't explain it. You just have to do it. Like when God called us to sell everything and move here to start the church, like I was joyful, I mean, man, is like, who is this person? Like, who am I looking at? What is happening here? I'm like, let's just go. Like, if I believe what the Bible says to be true, let's go. He will take care of us. Let's just go. Let's just do it. Not putting God to the test, but if, he, if, we, if we believe what this says to be true, then we can trust his word. So far, all has worked out. Dying to self and following Jesus is hard. I'll just throw it out there. I remember like the first couple of years of church planning, I went to a church planning conference and there was a guy that was like two years ahead of me and I was like, hey, when's the hardest year? And I was hoping he was saying it was that year. And he's like, well, I don't know, like this year is as hard as so far. I'm like, oh, are you serious? Like, Come on, man, you know. Um. And as, as we mature and as we grow and we become more like Christ, you think like things in this world are going to get easier. I'm sorry. It actually gets harder. It gets harder. You will see in this chapter, these chapters, Jesus is mocked. He comes under spiritual warfare. People betray him. He's, he's standing outside. He's in this room, and his disciples say, hey, your mom and your brothers and sisters are outside. And he goes, Who, who's, my, who's my mother, brother, sister? He said, those that do the will of my father are my mother, brother, and sister. All the things that Jesus did, we will somewhat experience, not to his level, But I also want to encourage you in this, that you will not find any more joy at the same time than when you follow Jesus. And I pray that you do. I pray that your joy is overflowing as you serve and walk with Jesus. I did something extremely bold this week. I prayed that Jesus would make me smell like him talk like him, look like him, walk like him, encourage people like him. And the pictures he has have really good hair. I could maybe pray for that too. But that's a really bold, extremely bold prayer. In the back of my mind, I'm like, kind of hope he doesn't, really. And the reason why I say it's a bold prayer is that when you look like Jesus and talk like Jesus, the world's going to hate you. Just the way it is. When you say there's no other way to heaven except through Jesus because you're a sinner and, and, and only him, put your faith and trust in him is the only way that you can have your sins forgiven to go to heaven and not go to hell. The pressure valve goes off. You're the weird person. 
You're that weird religious person. You stop getting invited to things. But I want to encourage you this. The world also hated Jesus. That's how I know the world will hate you. Because the world hated him. So much so that they murdered him. They put him on a cross. In Matthew chapter 9, 36 through 38, the last point that we're going to look at is what following Jesus looks like. I'm going to go ahead and read that, 36. Everybody all right? Word of God, right? All right. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. But the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Does it say send out laborers into church? No. It says send out laborers into into the harvest. You, as a follower of Jesus, you are a harvester, so to speak. You are a laborer, a harvester. We've prayed forever, for years and years and years and years, for laborers for the harvest. You guys are here. Answer to prayers. Many churches all over the world have prayed for this church. They have come, they have served, many people have prayed. I got prayer groups, women prayer groups all over that's been praying. I say pray for laborers for the harvest, just as Christ tells us to do. You're here. Praise God. But Christ tells us to pray for laborers of the harvest. You guys are here. And he says, have compassion over the sheep that have no shepherd. Like, as followers of Jesus, we would have compassion over those people that are around us and that Christ empowers you to go into the harvest, into your neighborhood, into your work. He didn't say, wait until Gene tells you to do something. No, he says, do it. You're a disciple. He says, go out to the harvest. Send them out. Our old church, I really didn't wait for my pastor to tell me anything. I just, I don't know, until like God felt like God telling me to do something, I just do it. Like, just do it. I, don't know. I was thinking about um, the harvest growing up on a farm, and... Um, my dad would say, hey, hay is ready, get the tractor, make sure the, you know, the moisture is right, wait till it dries, cut the hay, and I'd be like, ah, i never driven that baler, I don't know, ask a couple questions, he's like, just, just go, like, there was no time, like, there was no instructions, or you just figure it out, make mistakes, yeah, absolutely, I'm breaking stuff all the time, but I had to, fi- you know, I fixed it, I learned from it. That's what our father is saying. He's like, the harvest is ready, just go. Pray, ask a couple questions. You don't need my permission. You don't need permission of the church, you know. The Bible's saying do it. Just go. He says, Matthew 28 says, therefore go. Just go. You will make mistakes, I promise you. It's okay. 
we're a church that it's okay to make mistakes. We're like a big family. We love you anyway. It's all right. I make mistakes all the time, man. It tells me, I promise you. But I want to caution you in a good way, a good caution. You can talk about God at work with your neighbors. You can talk about coming to church. A little weird with church, maybe. Not too much. But the only way for someone to be saved is through the name of Jesus. Jesus has to come out of your lips. They say, how will they know unless somebody tells them? How will they tell them unless somebody is sent? Blessed are those of the feet of those that are sent. How will they know unless you say, Jesus? Yes, it's going to get weird. But it's the only way. God has sent you to go and proclaim the kingdom of God. You'll see that throughout the Bible. Go and proclaim the kingdom of God. The kingdom is at hand. Go and proclaim the kingdom of God. The gospel of Jesus, the kingdom of God. So go tell the people what you know. You say, well, I don't know that much about Jesus. Well, tell them what you know. Tell them what you know. Keep reading and keep, that's what God wants us to do is to know him, to love him. Just read the Bible. You'll get to know Jesus really well. Tell other people. If you found a really good restaurant that you loved, it was the best restaurant in the whole world, just right down the road here, you're going to tell somebody about it. Half the things that I know is because somebody told me. They get excited about it. They like it. I go do it. If, you, if, if you're in love with Jesus and you read something about it, you're going to want to tell somebody about it. It's too good not to share. kind of running out of time, so I'm going to have to skip some of these sections here, but <laughs> but there are individual things that, I can tell you some of the things that I used to do in corporate, like Bible studies and group chats about Bible verses, but I, I really want you to do what God calls you to do. But collectively, as a church, there are things that God calls us to do, to come together regularly, to pray, to worship, to look at God's Word. To remind ourselves of the gospel. I need to be reminded of the gospel every day. You need to be reminded of the gospel every day. It's not based on you. It's based on what Christ did alone. I need to be reminded of that. I need to be encouraged because if I'm out in the harvest and the world hates me and I'm doing the hard work and I'm sweating and you are too, we need to come together. It's nice being around other Christians. Like we take that for granted There are places in the world that don't get to gather with other Christians. If they do, they have to do it in secret. Like, it's encouraging for me. It lifts me up through the rest of the week to be with you, encouraging one another. Like, I need that. Like, it's hard work out there. I need you. You need me. We need each other. And we need you to help equip the saints for the ministry. It's your calling. It's your calling. It's your calling to make disciples, to make followers of Jesus. I need you to teach others what you know. And I want to be clear with this, that in order for this church, I can really 
it's not my goal to be a large megachurch or anything. I don't even have the skinny jeans on. But my goal is to, and you'll see in here, my goal is to saturate this area with the gospel. That happens through you. And to see people restored. To see people restored. Just like Johnny Cash, just like Matthew here in the Bible. To see people restored. That is my goal. Whatever that looks like, I can't pretend what that, the church will look like. That's, it's Christ's church. We do have a goal of, of starting a second service in October. Because, um, you know, just kind of just common sense that to support the ministry that we need, we need more people. So that is kind of the goal there. So a church today can give the impression that it's come and enjoy the show, and that's not what I see in the Bible. It, many, man, many hands make light work. I don't want anybody burned out. We all have a, a part to play, a big part, little part. We all have a part to play. And I want to go over this binder just a second. But I first want to say, I want to ask this question to you. Did you notice the paralytic? What did Jesus say that, that the paralytic and his friends did in order for their sins to be forgiven? You remember what Jesus said? What was it specifically that caused their sins to be forgiven? Faith. He said, because of your faith, because of your faith, your sins are forgiven. You say, well, faith in What? Faith in Jesus. But it's also trust. I always say, like, put your faith and trust in Jesus. They had faith that Jesus was going to, could do this. They're seeing him. They're hearing all about him. They say, I've got faith. This guy can heal my friend. We're going to do whatever we can to get him to Jesus. But they also had to trust. Because they knew if they're trying to get through the crowd and get to Jesus, they got this dude on a stretcher or whatever, and they're trying to bust through the crowd, people are going to make fun of them. They're going to ridicule them. They're going to tell them to get to the back of the line. They get this guy out of here. Like Jesus doesn't want anything to do with this guy. They had to trust that their ridicule and humiliation was going to pay off. Faith and trust. Trust that Jesus was going to come through. Trust that Jesus has the authority that the Bible says that he does. Jesus, listen, you didn't hear anything else. Jesus is trustworthy. There is no other place for hope. He is trustworthy. He proved it on the cross. He proved it by raising the dead. His father proved it by sending his son to die on the cross. And I ask, have you put your faith and your trust in Jesus. Are you ready to be willing to lay down anything that Jesus asks of you? It comes down to faith and trust in Jesus. Jesus is saying, come on, follow me. It takes a lot of faith and trust to do that. But the Bible is true. The Bible is true. 
is trustworthy. Jesus is trustworthy. He loves you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you that Jesus, that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross, to have authority, to conquer death, to conquer sin. Lord, help us, just as Hosea 6.6 said, like not be focused on all the things we have to do to make you right and forget it's all about a relationship with you through your son, Jesus. It's about knowing you more. It's about just loving you, putting you first. That's all that you ask. Lord, that's the hardest thing to do at times because we are, we are sinners and our flesh does not want to do that. This world does not want us to do that. So Lord, give us the strength to put our faith and trust in your son Jesus and just to love you, serve you. Lord, we need you to do that in our hearts. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here today that has never put their faith and trust in Jesus, I pray that they are calling out to you today and saying, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need to be saved. I want to follow Jesus. I want to have a relationship with you because of your son. I'm tired of trying to make you happy. I want to do it through your, the only way is through your son, Jesus. I pray, Lord, that they would have courage to come and talk with me. Let me pray over them after this. Lord, I pray that you would prepare our hearts as we prepare for the Lord's Supper. Lord, help us to see as we are challenged this, this month through uh, your word of where we can serve you, follow you. Lord, we love you and all God's people said, amen. So... Um, We'll have plenty of time to look at this document throughout the month, but I would like to just cover a few things real quick. And then we're going to do the Lord's, the Lord's Supper. And during the Lord's Supper, it does ask us to examine our hearts to see if there's any sin, take it to the Lord, ask for forgiveness. God's always, uh, all, God will always forgive us. But I'd also like for you to reflect on this calling and what God is calling you to do specifically. So you'll see in this document... I have a challenge on the first page for you uh, for this month to read these scriptures and answer these questions. On the second page, you'll see our vision, mission, values, our strategies, why we do the things we do. Uh, the next part is our ministries, again, the things that we do and why we do them. Um, on the third, fourth page, we have our timeline through the rest of this year. We have a lot of prayer, a lot of work to do. Uh, we need Lots of leaders trained up, deacons, elders, uh, people over uh, areas within the church. Because um, I really feel like God is growing his church. And it's, it's time for, for people to have a specific role and function within the church. So you'll see in these instructions, um, what I'm asking everyone to do is text the word serve to our church number. When you text the word serve, even if you're currently serving, when you text the word serve to our church number, I'll text you back, hey, this is where you're serving, and here's where I see that you could be used. There's two dates in here for training after church. 
and we're just going to retrain everyone. We got a new system. Uh, Danita's been working on planning center. We're going to get everybody in there so that nobody gets missed, nobody gets looked over. You get direct communication about this is what you're doing. You have training ready to go. The next page, financial needs and then two-year growth plan. And I also have uh, next steps on page six. So I'd like for you to work through those next, all those next steps, praying through those throughout the month. And then on page seven, I have a prayer card about some things that you can be praying for, specifically uh, for yourself and for True Life Community Church. Now, lastly, I'll mention on the last, the last half of this document, if, you're, if I text you back and say, hey, this is where you can serve, you can look at that. You can look at the serving requirements, what it takes to serve, and also look at the descriptions on what that means, okay? And so, again, that's my challenge for you for the month of August. Please, uh, take, please take this home. Don't file it in the trash, but read it, work through it. I'd really love for you to do that. I think, um, I think God will really work on your heart, um, on all of our hearts, including myself. So at this moment, um, let's go pray real quick, and then um, for Lord's Supper, so the aisles are a little bit narrower. So what I have you do is come down the right side, my left, your right, form a line, and then you'll go back. So like a one-way street, sort of. All right. <laughs> I'll pray, and then we will begin um, the Lord's Supper, and then I'm going to read First Corinthians 11. Therefore, dearly Father, Lord, I pray you prepare our hearts to receive the elements. Lord, this is something, again, an obedience thing that you tell us to, to do this. You tell us to be baptized. And Lord, we don't always understand the spiritual part of these uh, things. But Lord, we, we love you and we want to do what you tell us to do. Um, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, which means if you're not a believer, if you haven't put your faith and trust in Jesus, I would ask that uh, you would let these elements pass. Or if you're young, you can, of course, default to your parents what they, what they say. In an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself, ask the Lord, there's any sin in my heart, and ask him forgiveness. And so eat the bread and drink the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judge ourselves truly, we will not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, as our... Loving Heavenly Father, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the, wor with the world. So we're going to take a moment after you get the elements to spend time with the Lord. Um, ask Him to speak into your heart.
and then we'll take the elements um, 